Death is a biographical film. It came out in 2020, premiered at Sundance. It They kind of waited on it. I think that they were kind of waiting to release it around September 11th, but of course the pandemic last year, so didn't come out quite yet. And I think it's because they, you know, they, I think it premiered actually uh, in, no, it wasn't, it was announced in 2018, if I recall. And I think it was, I think it did premiere in Sundance. I was like questioning myself there, but no, I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, came out at Sundance. It's just now getting its limited release. Um, and it got a limited release on the third and then it hit Netflix around the same time. So you can watch it right now. And I think it kind of originally was supposed to be like, you know, an awards contender for Netflix. It was going to be like a spotlight kind of thing, like a political sort of, you know, that sort of like Sundancey political, you know, like the report or something like that. I don't think it got a lot of traction with people though. Didn't really hit the festival circuit, um, which I think is a shame. There's some really good performances in this. I mean, this, this, this movie is like dripping with Oscar bait. Our two main leads here are Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci. We also have Amy Ryan and quite a few others, but this movie, as I mentioned before, it's, it's related to September 11th. It takes place sort of like before, during, and mostly after, like the, the aftermath of September 11th. Um, for those of us, for those of you who don't know, like if you're listening around the world, September 11th in America, uh, 9-11, that was the, the day in 2001 where the World Trade Centers or the Twin Towers were um, attacked by terrorists and the Pentagon as well. And the, you know, obviously it was a huge moment in American history. We're celebrating, not celebrating, but remembering it 20 years later um, because it's 2021 now. And this movie kind of, uh, they're kind of timing it, I think, on purpose in that way. It's about a group of lawyers who pro bono are trying to essentially get a bunch of people to sign up for the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund. It's something that if you are a person who lost a loved one, like a spouse, a child, a parent, or something like that, you agree to take a payout from the government, Congress passed, um, and an agreement to not sue the airline industry. So they were very, very concerned, like right after 9-11, that if all of these victims, there's thousands, if all these victims sue the airlines for what happened, for you know, you know, what happened in this terrorist, like this terrorist attack happening, then it could crash the entire economy. Um, because the airline industry is so tied economically to the American economy, essentially it would be years, maybe decades of litigation that would cause the airlines to lose, you know, basically become defunct. And I have a lot of my own questions about, you know, the sort of like predictions there, like what, what really was going on there. This movie doesn't fully examine, I think the sort of like how certain they were that that would happen and the money that the airline industries have these days, especially now that we're watching this, like after the pandemic and we're seeing just the sort of shadiness between like the airline lobby and like the American government and everything, this movie kind of touches on it, but not super deep, but you know, you're supposed to be on the side of the lawyers. You, they're like, we got to sign up these people. We got to, we got to save the economy. We've got two years. It kind of starts off as like a heist almost of like, we got to plan together. We got to get this many people to sign up. We're doing this for free. Then over the course of the movie, they just get bulldozed by the emotion of the people who lost loved ones, the arbitrariness of the bureaucracy, the like sort of like heartlessness of this like formula they created and Man, Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci in this are powerhouses. And I think that they're just like this sort of like dueling rivalry, but then also this sort of like 
you know, reluctant sort of like partnership of minds that I thought was really, really fascinating. I saw this in Sundance. I, I really dug it. I gave it a, I give it a good grade there and, you know, I rewatched it and I, I maintain, I think this is a really solid film. Uh, it does kind of strike me as like the sort of typical Oscar season movie, not one of the best of the year or anything, but you know, certainly one that, uh, will definitely make a lot of people, you know, give a lot of people something to chew on, uh, if they watch it on Netflix. But what did you think of worth? Will, because you just saw this for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think solid is the word. Um, I had pretty high expectations for this, not only based on uh, your recommendation, but uh, because, like you mentioned, it is a movie where Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci talk about serious things for two hours, which is my bag, Uh, especially Michael Keaton. I love him, and I think he's a tremendous actor. Uh, Another Pittsburgh native that I'm quite proud of. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think when I was watching this, uh, I kept thinking, like, if this came out in 2006, and this is not indicative of the quality, this is more just like a comment on where we are with these type of movies culturally. If this movie came out in like 2006, it would have been released by Focus Features, and it probably would have gotten like two Golden Globe Awards and like four Oscar nominations. Yep, yep. I mean, heck, even even in like 2015, that's when Spotlight, you know, like I think that was kind of like the tail end of that era, collecting awards pretty quick, right? Yeah. The post represents like when that sort of like that well drew like went dry. Right. And now this is a sort of film that like it gets thrown onto Netflix with little to no fanfare and it'll probably be forgotten about, broadly speaking, uh, in like a month. Unless it gets the trial of Chicago seven treatment though, right? I mean the difference is that there was a narrative with that film with the Aaron Sorkin. This is directed by Sarah Colangelo. Right. Um so not definitely doesn't have that same like box office or mm-hmm. that sort of marketing narrative that they had for the Oscar right. campaign. So well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're releasing it now because they want it to correlate with the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yes. But also, I just feel I get the sense that like just the way they released the film and all that, not even I don't think giving it any sort of theatrical release that they're not really looking at this as a awards contender. Like you mentioned before, they've been sitting on this movie for almost two years. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't really seem like they they had a lot of confidence or faith in it. And that's a shame because I think. By and large, it is a pretty good film. Like, I, I don't love it, unfortunately, as much as you do. I, I think the, like, uh, award spate quality of it does kind of rub me the wrong way because it is going for something that's a little bit more quieter and character focused that, like, the score of the movie didn't really quite work for me and some of the, like, bigger, more dramatic moments didn't quite hit as hard. But I think what is quieter and more character focused, especially during the testimonial scenes, I think this movie really does sing. And I also think... Michael Keaton is good, but I think Stanley Tucci is quite great in this. And uh, I also think Amy Ryan is very good. And I, I get the sense that she kind of gets overshadowed compared to those two performances, which is a shame because I think she's also a tremendous actress. And I think when she is given time to shine in this film, she's quite good. And uh, yeah, I think of the three films that we're talking about, certainly it's my favorite. Um, though it didn't hit me, I think, emotionally quite as hard as I was hoping it would. And I'm still kind of trying to figure out why exactly that was. Difficult topic. So yeah, I, I certainly can understand, you know, some some hesitancy with this movie. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Adonis Gonzalez, you just watched Worth as well. So what what was it worth to you? I really enjoyed it. It it is a very hard topic, and I'm actually kind of in the same boat as Will. I'm I'm still trying to determine how heavy it really hit me because I, I did look at a couple reviews after I watched the movie. Uh, and it, it doesn't seem like it hit as hard as it was going for, especially with the, with the source material, but I don't know. Uh, the, the testimony scenes 
were very, very, very hard for me. Like they were, uh, they were very well directed. It almost felt like, like I had to look this up because I was like, are these, are some of these people who, who actually experienced this and they had them come on as extras? I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything about that. I think they are just extras, but they were very well done. Uh, Michael Keaton does a great job uh, playing this lawyer character who's kind of in the middle of all this, like this, this philosophical slash economical discussion about the worth of life and this huge tragedy that nobody could have prepared for, like absolutely no one. Um, there's not enough Tucci for me, if I'm being honest, because I think he was great, but I don't think that he was in the movie as much as I was expecting him to be. But when he did show up in the movie, I mean, he stole the show every time. And that that's, that's something that's, I feel is, is very hard to do when you're working alongside Michael Keaton. Like when Michael Keaton's at his best, he's usually the show stealer, but Stanley Tucci is, is an incredible actor. He always envelops himself in his roles. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know why it didn't hit me as hard as I feel it should have. And I can't really give like a definitive answer. I guess I would say it is because it does kind of lean a little heavy into the Oscar bait theme uh, a few times. Whereas it, it, it uh, I don't know. It felt like it could have got a little more personal, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I, uh, I don't think it was like a weak movie in any in any sense of the word. I think it's a very strong, heavy contender for the Oscars, and I think that Keaton and Tucci and Amy Ryan do their absolute best in this movie. Like they they they're incredible actors. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm I definitely agree with Will. It didn't hit me as hard as I feel it should have, but I can't really explain why it didn't. Well, my, my theory for that, and, and I do want to start by saying, um, you know, the, the actors that I think you're thinking of Adonis, like they're all like actors, actors, like I, like the main ones yeah. with a lot of speaking lines, the Donatos are played by like, uh, I think one of them, uh, Laura Bernani is like a really, really acclaimed, um, like theater, you know, stage performer. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I could tell she was an actor for sure. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna mention. Uh, yeah, one of them is um, Gail Rankin, who is um, yeah, just last year was in one of my favorite films, and she gave a great performance in that as well, The Climb. Um, and she was also in like Her Smell and um, The Great Glow. Showman. Oh, and that's Glow right. And Meyerowitz stories and stuff, and she's great in this as well. I I thought she, I, I thought I recognized like, her. Yeah. There are like most of those testimonials are from character actors, kind of giving like they're like big monologue scene. But I I'm pretty yeah. sure almost all of them are actors, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Pretty much, yeah. I don't know if they used any like, like if they had anybody who like lived through it. I, I don't. I would be surprised, but it, I guess it's possible. And I, I think someone might have gotten cut because I, unless I missed it, like Mark Maron was created, but I don't remember seeing him in the film. I don't know if he was like one of the testimonials that got cut. I don't know, um, yeah, because I don't remember him in the movie, um, like the Sundance version. So I don't know if that. But I do remember seeing, yeah, he was he was uh, credited and. Um, but that said, uh, I think my theory for why I think this movie, I, I kind of in the same boat. I think that it it starts off really strong, and I think this movie has really good structure, really good trajectory, and it's going in the right direction. And you know, it kind of just starts off this with this very like avant garde question that's kind of off putting, but also sort of like comforting in the sort of like simplicity and binariness of it. And it's like, what is a human life worth? And this movie is like very upfront about. Kenneth Feinberg, our main character played by Michael Keaton, he has a very specific philosophy about what this, the answer to this question, he's like a number, you know, he's, he's got that accent and he's, 
he has this like worldview of life that boils down to numbers and you know it, it comes down to like a negotiation it comes down to it it's worth what it's worth and it's not necessarily fair but there's like the sort of coldness to it and the movie is driving away from that the entire time right there's like this movie could have went the entirely opposite direction with uh with ken feinberg with um michael keaton's character and I'm glad that it didn't because, like, it could have very easily just made him, like, a really terrible person. He, he could have been uh, Lee Quinn, uh, who, and the, the actor's name is escaping me right now, but that's the character's name, uh, who's pretty much like uh, Tate his... Tate Donovan. Tate Donovan, thank you. He, he could have been Tate Donovan's character. He could have been, like, this cold, calculating... And in, a, a, in, in the beginning, in a lot of ways, he was. But even at the beginning, I could see that uh, what they were trying to do with this character was kind of show that... He's in a very precarious position. He's in a very unexpected position, uh, one that isn't of the norm, even for the career that he's in, which typically deals in 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 death, in like things that other other people wouldn't really want to deal with. Um, and I'm glad that even though they they establish that he's not like the best person, he's not a hero, and his intentions getting into this might not have been entirely. Uh, selfless, you know, like he even mentions, like it might have been because of ego, but I do like that they didn't just make him like uh, a caricature in that regard. Like it did feel yeah. like he was trying to do the best that he could, and the movie kind of it, it kind of leaves that that question, like what is a life worth, a little bit open ended because it's really not a question you can definitively answer. Like everyone's going to have a different opinion uh, because of circumstance, because of context. And it's not something that can really be answered, but I do like that the movie sort of strays away from just going like, oh, it's it, it's worth any certain amount, you know? Like, I think that uh, Tucci, in a way, Stanley Tucci, in a way, was sort of playing that that devil's, not devil's advocate, but like the, the lens of the audience and s- sort of showing Ken like... He's the moral center of the film. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. That's why I say I really wish there was more of him in the movie, but I do love how they used him whenever he showed up. He gave such an impact uh, and, and and asked all the right questions and said like all the right things, for me at least, where I was like, wow, okay, this, I, I was already into this movie, but it's, it's, it's sucking me in even more because this is, I mean, this is really, really interesting stuff. His speech about the bridge is, whew, yeah, terrific yeah. writing. Um, that scene with him in the office. Really good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, for me, though, I think to kind of go off of what Adonis was saying, um, I think the movie is very competently made, and I actually like that it is fairly dry and uh, willing to be uh, a bit, uh, I guess, um, unapproachable, I guess, in terms of like playing a character who is a bit of a, a challenge, like morally to, to pin down. And I also appreciate that, like, from a filmmaking standpoint, we often see, like, in the beginning or the first half of the film, Michael Keane's character is often like, facing like the center or he's like in the center of the frame kind of because like he feels like he has like a sense of like certitude about like what's going on even during this perilous time but as the movie goes along like he's often shown like on the side of the frame or like adjacent to the center and I think it's like a small thing but it's like not super showy I and mean, I think it's done pretty well throughout the film but I also feel like at the same time that the movie has like a sort of workman quality to it where I was constantly thinking about like 
how they were executing the film. And for something that's fairly dressed down like this, I, I think thinking so much about the execution of the film and the performances took away from me being as invested in the character and the stories uh, as much as I would like to at least. But I think in terms of what the movie is doing and what it's trying to accomplish, I think it is well done, it's well acted. I agree. Definitely, I think Stanley Tucci is not only the star or the the, the highlight of the film, but I think he should have been in it a little bit more to really uh, bring the themes home in a way that would have been even more impacting. But I definitely think it's worth a watch, especially if you can get it on Netflix. I think it's, you know, it's yeah. a sophisticated movie for adults and these are becoming more and more rare, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, I, I do think the, like the moviness of it does get in the way of, uh, approaching some of the more raw and earnest questions that's trying to do. And also I just, uh, since you brought it up, I kind of find like the lecture scenes like that in the beginning to be kind of tropey in a bad way. Like I just feel like that type of thing is really played out, but that's not really here nor there, but I'll say like outside of that type of stuff, I think the movie generally works and it's able to be impactful as it wants to be. But like I said, I also think a lot about the execution of the film while I'm watching it and I'm not as emotionally invested, I think, because I'm thinking so much about like how they approach the movie from a filmmaking standpoint and not just being fully invested in the characters and the performances. But I think when it is able to be impactful, especially like we said during the testimonial scenes, it is really rich and uh, haunting in particular scenes. So certainly I think more often than not, it works and succeeds with what it's trying to do. Yeah, I, th- I think we agree more than we don't. Um, yeah, just just a few things there that I'm kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I, I think, yeah, when it comes down to me, like what I was getting at before too, you know, my, my theory for why I don't think it's as hard hitting. I, I think that what it comes down to is like you have this whole movie where, and we should say this is based on um, a book, I think that Kenneth Feinberg, a book or a magazine article or something. He wrote like something about this experience and, you know, the movie kind of gets into like what he did after this stuff and all that. But I think that there, there is a sort of like egotistical quality to this movie because it really centers around this guy because it is his story in a lot of ways. And some of that rubbed me the wrong way, but only because it felt a little bit to me like, the movie is so focused in on, you know, the answering the question of like, what's going to happen to this guy when it's really supposed to be a movie about catharsis for these people. And it doesn't really strive for the, the emotional moving on of, for the people involved in this tragedy. And I think that's the disconnect a little bit. I think the movie is trying to avoid that because it, it puts in all these lines of like, nothing we can do can, you know, alleviate people's pain. I think it's trying to avoid this sort of like, you know, trying to come in and be like, and then everything was okay. And then these people were okay or anything like that. And it's like, well, I think the decision is to focus it more on Kenneth Feinberg and his team having this sort of like growth and this sort of journey. And I think that's why it just doesn't quite come together emotionally because it's like, well, sure. I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, Kenneth Feinberg has this this like growth that he has this arc. And I think it goes to interesting places. I think that Stanley Tucci, he's, you know, best supporting actor, (laughs) you know, like he is like the best supporting actor by definition in this kind of movie. Uh, Amy Ryan as well as supporting. And they're kind of like laddering up to this conflict between this sort of like cold bureaucracy numbers game of trying to do the right thing, but staying within the confines of the system and having that moral center as was mentioned. And I think the movie just sort of like gets to a point where it's like, well, we got to end now. (laughs) And instead of kind of sticking to its guns on being like, well, you know what? When it comes to the question, what is life worth? There is no easy answer. It kind of just comes up with this sort of like hackneyed Hollywood movie sort of. Well, it 
here we go. We're just going to solve, you know, we're just going to solve things. You know, Kenneth Feinberg gets a moment with Tate Donovan's character. There's, you know, it, it just kind of goes like the moviness. I think you said, will kind of gets in the way. I think of like an ending that would have been, that would have resonated more and would have had more of an effect. And I think it's a testament to how some of the more impactful scenes to that effect are with the Donato family. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, there are a few like final notes of that, uh, particularly with Laura Benanti, Benanti who just, whew, her last yeah, scene great. is yeah. fantastic. I mean, it's so good. And yeah, I think that stuff kind of outshines, I think, what's lacking ultimately. It's like, yeah, it doesn't quite have that punch at the end, but it does have... And it's so much good stuff along the way that it's easy to recommend it. Yeah. And I should just clarify when I bring up like the quote unquote moviness of a movie, I, I mean, that can be kind of vague. And so I want to clarify that, like when I bring that up, I just mean like for something like this, that's obviously, like I said, trying to be dressed down or trying to be a little bit more realistic when like those kind of like scenes that feel a bit like contrite or feel like they are very scripted come into play. They, they kind you of think take away. Sorry, contrive. My apologies. Um, but like when those elements or scenes come into play, I think they take you out of it because the movie itself is trying so hard to be closer to realism or reality that like when it feels like there's some like artifice in the room, then they stand yeah. out. They're a little bit more exactly. jarring. And that's what I, I just want to clarify that. The same issue with Trial of Chicago 7, I thought. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. More so with that film than I think in this one. I was going to say, um, I really would have liked to see more of uh, Shinori Ramanthan. And I'm sorry if I'm uh, pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, but she, pay- she played Priya, who was one of the uh, one of the people on Kenneth Feinberg's team. But she was actually there uh, when uh, the attack on the, on the Twin Towers happened. And that was a really interesting uh, character that I feel like wasn't utilized as much as she could have been like there, there were moments was she where there though. I thought it was that she was supposed to start there that week, but she wasn't. Yeah. I think John's correct. Oh, okay. I thought she I was, was supposed to be, too. she was supposed to be on the same team as Stanley Tucci's wife, I think. Oh, okay. Cause I, I thought, wasn't there a moment with her in the elevator, uh, where she mentioned that she still kind of had like PTSD from like, like just being in I small think survivor's spaces. guilt is what they're alluding yeah, to. Yeah, I think it's... Ah, okay. But also, okay. like, there were people who, like, weren't directly involved with 9-11 that had, like, some PTSD just from, like, yeah. close mm-hmm. association or, like you said, like, being like they should have been there, like, a week before or something like that. Like, there is... Th- that was uh, a pretty common thing during and around 9-11. Right. I don't know. I just... I feel like she could have uh, offered a little bit more to the movie and they didn't utilize her as much as they, they could have. She hasn't been in a lot of stuff. I think she was in Big Sick and a few smaller films, but mm. I think this could be the start of like some bigger roles for her, for sure. She's Hopefully. good, at it, for sure. Yeah. I think I think one of the haunting things about this movie, and I'll, I'll finish on this since we're going so long, but I did think that like, you know, when 9-11 happened when we were all pretty young, you know, I was like 10 years old, I think. I was about to turn 11. And yeah, I was in elementary school. Yeah, we were, we were young. And I think, Adonis, you were even younger because you're a bit younger. I was three years old, yeah. Okay, yeah. You don't even... <laughs> yeah. We we have vivid memories, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you even have any memories from nine eleven? None of my none of my own, but uh my grandma does uh she has told me about the she was she was um she was one of the people who was like on their way there when it was going on and stuff. Like she was in the area and she'd heard about it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Glad she, glad she's all right. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it, it's it it was kind of haunting a little bit to sort of like you never you don't see much 
you know, like they don't they don't do like a recreation or anything like that. They kind of do like the news reports thing. And I think that's for the best. But I think part of what makes those testimonials so impacting is like there are scenes where, you know, at times they're just describing like the last conversations they had. But then you hear audio and you hear about like what people went through. And, you know, there are some things that like I've forgotten. It's been years. Right. And, you know, it's something we kind of think about once a year, but then it's not something we really like the trauma of it is not something I personally like revisit very often. And yeah, it was, it's, it was something else, um, to kind of go through that again. Um, it's difficult. So I would say that, you know, you know, if you're going to watch the movie, just be prepared for that. You know, it's not, not the, you know, the big feel good movie necessarily sure. of the fall, even though it has feel good moments. I think, I mean, to be fair, I, I think the movie is pretty delicate about that stuff. Like, Agreed. I mean, it gets you yeah. in the headspace and shows you the aftermath and shows you like it's tasteful. The events. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's more about like the characters reckoning with it. One of my favorite scenes yeah. in the movie is the sort of scene I think in a lesser film they would have cut out because it doesn't impact the story. But it's one that I think is so key to the film and why I feel like I, I was a little disappointed that it didn't hit me more was when uh, Stanley Tucci was like cleaning out the fridge. And like it, you know, it's a sort of scene that's like it doesn't ex- explicitly tell you what happened, but it tells you everything you need to know about what just happened to yeah. Stanley Tucci's character. And I think those moments are brilliant. And I think that's where the movie's at its best. And I kind of wish the movie was on that level more than, like I said, some of the more movie-ish scenes. But I think the fact that it has those scenes showcases a director who is uh, certainly going to do some great things moving forward. Well, you can watch Worth right now on Netflix. It is 118 minutes long. It goes by pretty fast for just under two hours, I thought. Um, even the second time, I'd say. Rotten Tomatoes time, though. Let's see who's going to come out on top. I feel like you guys are basically tied at this point. You've you both gotten a little bit here and there. But let's see what happens on this one. Worth. Will Ashton, what do you think this uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is? Best guess. Uh, 78%. And Adonis. Uh, I'm going to go 75%. So I think I think Will's cheating. Uh, 78%. I think I think it's Will exactly is like, well, I got to win this thing. Oh, it's exactly no. 78. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Out of 73 reviews... Uh, Adonis, you were close, um, but you have a chance to redeem yourself, Adonis. Uh, you go first, audience score. Let's go. Oh, uh, I'm going to go 85%. 85 for Adonis. And Will? Uh, I'm going to go lower just because it seems like the type of film that audiences aren't crazy about. So I'm going to say 64%. That's in between you two. It's 77. So wow. you know, nobody okay. was quite that close. So hey, pretty close to the Rotten Tomato score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.